Good morning. How are you? Good so far, isn't it? Amen. Hey, fellas, if you are intending to go with us to uh, Honduras in February, don't forget that is due today. And also, some of you uh, may want to go, but uh, you're not sure that, that, that you can afford to do so. I would let you know there's a couple of individuals who have made uh, some scholarship funds available. Uh, they're not, this is not church money, but it's money from outside individuals saying that they would be willing to help. So I think that most of you would be able to make that deposit. But if, if that's the thing that's keeping you from going, let me know after church. Uh, and and that there's a possibility that, that some of that could be worked out. So but that needs to happen today on that deposit so we can uh, get those tickets going tomorrow. Well, I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 19. And I want to talk about these words and this meditation. These words, this meditation. You know, David prayed a lot of prayers, didn't he? I I like to read his prayers. Some of his prayers are are almost humorous. Um, he prayed a few prayers that God couldn't answer. <laughs> I don't know if you know, you're aware of those or not. If you ever study some of them, there's one a time or two where he got angry and he said, "God, kill every one of them." I mean, you know what? That's the kind of prayer that God usually doesn't answer. But, uh, but for the most part, I love to study his prayers because even though he was a fellow with, some, with a few issues, he had a heart after God. His innermost and depth heart and soul longed after God. And so I was studying one of his prayers this week, and I thought when I... When I finished studying and looking at that, I thought, wow, that would be a great prayer for us to pray every day of our lives. Because this is a prayer that if we would pray this every day of our life, David said we would be guiltless, faultless, or innocent before God. So he prayed a three-pronged prayer that I'm going to list for you today. And then I'm going to encourage you to kind of commit that to your spirit and begin to pray that every day because I promise you there's not one person who is hearing this right now or will hear this in the future that this prayer does not apply to. For all of you that thought, I'm just going to go today for the songs because I'm really too good for everything else. I want you to understand that you're going to have to wake up and receive this one today because it's for you. These words, this meditation, Psalm 19, verse 12, 13, 14, contemporary English version, will serve as our text today where it says that none of us know our faults. And, well, that we'd have to dig around in that to know what that means. But it, it, some of us do know our faults, but we don't know all of our faults. That's basically what that means. And so David says, forgive me when I sin without knowing it and don't let me do wrong on purpose. And Lord, don't let sin have control over my life. And then I will be innocent and not guilty of some terrible fault. And let my words and my thoughts be pleasing to you, O Lord, because you're my, my mighty rock and my protector. Now, the, the NIV translates verse 14 this way. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That makes it very specific. 
He's not just saying, as I've always read it, I've always read it as, as whatever words, whatever thoughts, wherever I'm at at this moment in time. He is saying, I am talking to you specifically right now, and may these words and this meditation or these thoughts, these words and these thoughts may specifically, may they be pleasing in your sight, God. He calls him his rock, and that means his strength. He calls him his protector, his defender, his avenger. It's interesting to note that God was those things even when David was messing up. Because if you've ever studied the life of David, he messed up quite a bit, didn't he? And even in the moments where he is failing the Lord... God is continuing to be his rock, his refuge, his protector, his avenger, his strength, his help. All of those things, God remains in his life. David says, you're these things for me. I want to be something for you. You're all of this for me. I want to be pleasing to you. I want to be guiltless. I want to be innocent. I want to be faultless. I'm not, but I want to be. How many could pray that prayer already? I'm not, but I want to be. Tomorrow I won't, but I'll want to be. Right? And here it is. David knew that he had some hurts and some habits and some hang-ups and would have been a prime candidate for Celebrate Recovery. In fact, Brad, if he were in our congregation, he might have been the guy that started the ministry because if anybody ever knew he needed to peel back the layers it was David but God had never abandoned him because of them and David admits there in verse 13 he says I have faults some of which I'm not even aware of how many of us would be that honest with God I I have lots of faults and some of them I'm not even aware of. But David was counting on God. He's depending on him. He, He is banking his all on God. And God has never let him down. So David makes the statement, let these words and these thoughts that I'm speaking of right now be pleasing and acceptable. So what are these thoughts and these words? Let's look at them for a few minutes. Must be a pretty powerful and important prayer, huh? A three-pronged prayer that if I will pray every day and mean, I will be able to remain innocent, blameless before God. If you're following along, you could mark them right in your Bible as we go. I mean, this is, not a, this is not a really hard one to figure out. These transcultural truths are just right there. The first one says, God, forgive me when I sin without knowing it. What is that? This can be some type of an action that you take purposely. But you just didn't know it was wrong to do. Have any of y'all ever broken the law and didn't know it? Well, sure. You're driving along a stretch of road and, and, and 
you really want to know what the speed limit is, but you can't find a sign. Am I the only one that that ever happens to? You can find the police officer, but you can't find the sign. So sometimes we just do things because we didn't know or because we didn't think. You say, can that be a sin? Well, anything that breaks the law, which is set forth by the word, is a sin. Thank God we live by grace now and not by the law, but we still, we're still under the law as a whole that though we live by grace and, and the Holy Spirit now is the one that convicts us, we still have to acknowledge the laws that God has set in place for men because the majority of people are not believers and they're not living by the law. And since they don't, and since they don't live by the word, they have to have the law. And Galatians talks all about that. It's another message. Sometimes you may say something or do something offensive unknowingly. I've done that due to culture or due to language. I've been in places where that I didn't understand the culture or the language and in trying to be kind would say something that would be offensive and somebody would come along behind and say, oh, you messed up. Have you ever done that one? Which point I'm apologizing profusely. Something that we do that somehow turns out to injure another person. Physically, emotionally, you didn't do it on purpose, but you did it. We go to bed every night having done these things probably. And that's why we should pray this prayer every day, every night. Waking up that I won't when I go to bed because I did. Whoever I offended today and didn't even know it, God, would you forgive me? And let me know so I can apologize to them. I was reading a story this week about a volunteer fire department up in Virginia that finally got the, the Hearst tool, the tool known as the Jaws of Life. And they were so excited about this, they decided to do a public demonstration for the people of the town. And the onlookers gathered around and everybody was so excited and when they were all in place and ready, the firemen grabbed the tools of life and proceeded to tear the doors off of a 1966 Buick. And then they ripped the steering wheel through the front windshield, busted out all the windows, and one guy started screaming, What are you doing to my car? And the fire chief repeated over and over, It was just a mistake. It was just a mistake. That's the kind of sin I'm talking about right here. To you, it was just a 1966 Buick. To somebody, it was their car. Sometimes you can do things to offend or hurt other people and you don't even know you did. David said, forgive me when I sin without knowing it. And secondly, he said, don't let me do wrong on purpose. Because that's when you do it knowing that it's sin, but you ignore 
the conviction of the Holy Spirit that tells you not to do it, then you end up trying to cover it up. And David had done that one too, hadn't he? A lot of the, the sins that we commit, we do so full well knowing that they're sins. And then we find ourselves in a place like the, the man who knew it was a sin to go out and do what he did, but he went out one night and got drunk with his buddies. And while he was there, he got in a fight to boot. So he came home late, hoping she was asleep, snuck upstairs to the bathroom, took one look at his face, got the band-aids out, fixed it the best he could, crawled in bed smiling to himself because he said, she doesn't know. And he passed out and woke up the next morning to her standing over him saying, you came home drunk last night, didn't you? And he said, no, I didn't. And she said, then why are all the band-aids on the mirror in the bathroom? Don't let me do wrong on purpose. Now, we still will. But the prayer really here is God convict me so I stop doing that. That's what he's basically saying. Don't let me commit these kinds of sins. God convict me. And number three, he said, never let me be okay with allowing sin to have control over my life. And this one is the one that we really need to look at. Because at this point, the individual has decided to allow sin to remain in their life for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they enjoy it, they like the, the false gratification that this sin is bringing them, they don't think anybody's ever going to find out. Their conscience has become seared to it. They're still convicted, but not as convicted as they used to be. Did you know you can sin that way? This one is so dangerous. Because the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will strive with us for so long. And then he will depart. Why would that be the case? Because the Holy Spirit cannot abide he cannot dwell in an unclean place. So that's why whenever we sin, he convicts us so that we can repent, be purified and clean, and he can stay there. But when we decide that we want sin to move in, the Holy Spirit says the two of us can't live in here together. So one of us got to go. And I want to be here because I'm with you and said I'd never leave you to the end. I want to be the one here, but you got to boot this other one out. And if we say, well, the other one's going to stay, but it's just going to kind of live in a closet over here. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I know what's lurking in the closet. I'm the one having to live in here. This has got to change. And so when the individual says, well, I think I'm going to hang on to this for a little while and try to hang on to you too. Then we become like Samson. In the scripture where the scripture says that at one point he shook himself as he had at other, every other time. The, script, the King James said it, put it this way. He wist not that the spirit had departed from him. It means he didn't even know that the Holy Spirit had departed. 
He was living his life just as he'd lived, living in sin as he'd always lived. He decided to shake himself at one point like he used to because he needed the strength of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost wasn't there. And he was like, "Uh uh-oh. You know what it cost him? It cost him his eyesight, not just his hair, but they cut that off too. It cost him his freedom. And ultimately, it cost him his life. If you study the life of Samson, you are looking for the legacy he leaves behind. And you realize that his legacy is this. It's found in the last portion of the story. He killed more of his enemies at his death than he did in his life. How many of y'all want to be known that way? Well, I might have been a sinner, but I killed a lot more people at the end than I did the rest of the whole time. You say, well, yeah, but he was supposed to there. I mean, they needed to die. Well, all fine and good. But I think I would rather, as a leader, be the individual that hands a baton to someone, leaves him in a position to carry on as a... He was a judge. Do you realize after him, a bunch of folks just go around doing what's right in their own eyes? A true leader would have handed a baton to someone, raised someone up, handed it off and left the organization in a better spot when they were gone than when they were with it. Am I right? So what does his family have as a legacy to talk about? Well, he was strong and his sin got him killed. God used him in his last last act that's the last thing he gets remembered for so he's grateful for that thank the lord for that i mean at least he you know he goes out in a blaze of glory don't let this happen to you if we have sin in our life and we leave it unchecked it will destroy our lives and our legacies How many have we seen this happen to? Many years ago, there was a fellow named Paul Harvey. And we used to listen to Paul Harvey on the radio. Anybody remember Paul Harvey? What a unique voice. Didn't he have a unique voice? He used to tell a story about how the Eskimos up in Alaska would get rid of the wolves when they were killing their livestock. They would take their their hunting knife and they would coat it in fresh animal blood and then they would freeze it and then they would do it again and then they would freeze it then they would do it again they would they would continue this until so many layers of blood were on the knife that the blade was completely concealed then they would take the knife and plant it out in the field with the blade sticking up and the wolf would come because of the scent of the blood And would begin to lick the blood off of that blade. The wolf would lick that blood until he had finally cut his own tongue. And tasting his own blood would lust so desperately for that blood. That he would lick that blade until he bled to death. It's a fearful thing that people can be consumed by their own lusts. That's what happens with us. 
Maybe this is the one that I need to make my prayer today. And I'm just not going to allow sin to control my life. So I go back to where I started. What if we prayed David's prayer every day? What if we prayed that prayer every day? Then it would have the effect that David said. It would cause us to be innocent. It would cause us to be pleasing to God, who is our strength and who is our protector. One little girl knew that she needed to pray. She just didn't think she needed too much from the Lord. And so she prayed. She said, dear God, please help me in school. I need help in spelling, adding, history, geography, and writing. And I don't need help in anything else. And I look at that prayer and I say, man, I need help everywhere else. God, I need help all over the place. Don't you? Am I the only one? God, I need help all over the place. And I want to pray like David prayed so that my words and my thoughts, all of my words and my thoughts will be pleasing and acceptable. And so I take you back to the text, Psalm 19, 12. He said, forgive me when I sin without knowing it. And don't let me do wrong on purpose, Lord, or let sin have control over my life. Then I will be innocent and not guilty of some terrible fault. May these words and this meditation be pleasing unto you. That's our focus. That's it. Plain and simple. Look, I'm done. It's over. Three things. Three things that I want you to walk away with. Not with how long or short or how awesome the message was. Don't care about any of that. What I care about is that you walk away with this three-pronged prayer. God, forgive me when I sin without knowing it. Don't let me do wrong on purpose. And never allow me to be okay with sin. Controlling my life. And if we get that in our spirit and pray it every day, we're going to be all right. So let's start. Let's pray. I'm going to ask Neil, he's going to come back in a minute and he's going to lead us. And we're and we're going to examine our heart in light of this word. As to where we are in this series of events. I promise you that every person in this room or will ever hear this, this word is applicable to. If for no other reason than number one. Because we will all make mistakes. So there's not one exempt person from number one that would say, God, help me when I sin and don't even know it. Forgive me when I sin and don't. That, that, that's all of us. Number two. That's for all of us too. Don't let me do wrong on purpose. That's everybody. There's no one exempt from that. 
Don't let me do wrong on purpose. Now, there might be a few of y'all that are pretty good folk that have been walking with the Lord a long time, and maybe you have got your life in check. I don't know. But I'm just going to say, it's pretty safe to say, that almost everybody here needs number three, too. And that is, God, whatever sin that I am allowing to take root in my spirit right now, because some of you think, oh, well, that means drugs or... No, I'm talking about pride and envy, malice, gossip, Whatever thing that is trying to take root in your spirit that God would not allow you to become okay with that, but that he will continue to convict you. And so we're going to examine our soul today in light of this word. I'm going to ask Neil if he would lead us in this song. And as he does, I want you just to examine yourself and better yet, then ask the Holy Spirit to just run a full diagnostic check on you. Can you do that? And then if you feel like that you want to, I want you to know that these altars are open. All around this room, you can walk around, kneel, sit, stand. Whatever you feel that you want to do, no one's going to bother you while you pray. I want you to make this your own prayer closet. Find your prayer closet here today, wherever that might be. And bring these things to to the Lord. And I would ask if our prayer team would just make themselves available at some point during the prayer time. Uh, Guys, if you'd just scatter out. Prayer team, scatter out all around the building. It's so much easier for people back in the back part to be able to get back there to folks than to the front. So we scatter out all over the place. But if you'd like to have prayer, there'll be people that have the lanyards on that are prayer team. that would be willing to pray with you, love to pray with you. But let's just turn this place, can we? into a, an altar, into a prayer closet. And you, you ask the Lord to speak to you now in this song.